0: You're listening to The Hollyview Podcast, a message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers, on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. And now, here's this week's message on the Hollyview Podcast.
1: Like Joel said, this week I have uh, been feeling the weight of the privilege and honor uh, that it is to uh, preach the Word of God. Um, and so I'm very ready to get it off my chest. Um, so I'd like to begin today by reading our passage. So if you would turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 4, and we'll begin by reading. Psalm 4. To the choirmaster with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me. And hear my prayer. O men, how long will my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. And listen here. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their wine and grain abound. Let me, let me read that once more. You, Yahweh, God Almighty, creator of the universe, have put more joy, deep, satisfactory joy, something beyond wealth. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as I we come before you today to worship you, um, I just pray that as I um, preach your word, that you would speak through me, that um, you would fill me with your spirit, and that um, what I say would be your wisdom and not my own. Um and if it is my own, Lord, may, may I fall upon your grace. I pray that you will show us what the meaning of joy through this is, and that we would walk away with something um, that we can latch on to about your character, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as many of you know, my wife, Farah is a CNA uh, caregiver. She works for a couple in Gresham who have a, a foster home. Um, their names are Caleb and Sandy. They have uh, eight boys, uh, some of whom were adopted, uh, some were uh, born naturally, and others are permanent foster care. The um, five out of the eight of those eight are um, high school and middle school age. Uh, the other three are extremely medically complicated, uh, special needs boys. They require literally 24 seven care, um, and they are wheelchair and walker bound. Um, and they have the mental ages of kids under four. Two are adult age, and one is a, a young, young kid. Um, and this is Sandy and Caleb's full-time job. So the state pays them uh, to give the, these boys all the care they need, and, and they live like their family. Um, and Farrah, uh, they hired Farah to help with them throughout the week because it is a lot of work. Let me tell you real quick about um, about uh, one of their the youngest boy. Uh, we'll call him Matthew. Uh, he was born with many different disabilities to drug-addicted parents uh, who neglected him. Uh, so much so that they, they actually stuck him in a crib for the first two years of his life. And because of it, he didn't develop proper hip sockets. Um, in fact, uh, the neglect got so bad that uh, when the state finally came in to, to take him away, uh, it was found that his eight-year-old sister was the one doing all the care for him. And uh, this, is, this is unfortunately an all too common occurrence in our world. Uh, it's absolutely heartbreaking that this happens, but um, it does. Uh, but Sandy and Caleb took him in. Um... And uh, he lives with dignity and happiness now with them. Uh, Which is just so beautiful to me. And I'll explain why later. But just seeing how uh, Christians can partner with a state like this um, to take care of the most vulnerable. It's a very beautiful thing. Um, But Matthew still has a lot of medical issues, actually. So he's got a heart problem that um, causes him to get infections that, that quickly spread through his whole body. But Farah is just in love with him. She's he's her kind of her favorite. Um, he he uses an iPad to to talk because he can't speak. He has little buttons that he presses to uh, to communicate, and they have little little words. It's it's quite a cool thing. But he'll ask Farah to sneeze for him over and over again, like all day. She'll like fake sneeze, and he just he gut laughs as his head like rolls back and like. His whole body is just laughing. It's, you have to see it. It's something, it's something else. It can't, can't do anything but make you smile. Um, and he just loves to hug and, and squeeze people and, and feel, that, feel that warmth. Um, this kind of work is just right up Farah's alley. She's so good at it. Um, it's been amazing for me to watch her flourish in this way and find work that is so uh, purpose-filled. So... Um, so this is Sandy and Caleb's whole life, and this life has interrupted their vacations, birthdays, holiday, and family time. Regular old sleep, like more than you know, the new parents say, "Well, oh, I don't get any sleep." Um, you know, it's it's pretty intense, um, and so their lives are just tossed to and fro uh, by the life that they've chosen to do. So Farah began to work for them right in the beginning. Uh well in the middle of the COVID year actually, 2020. So I'm sure we'll refer to it as uh in the future. Um now, like a lot of people, they couldn't really see anyone. Um, but the state had certain requirements that they had to follow, um, being a foster home and having many foster care kids that um they were just full lockdown. No one could come in, no one can go out. Um and to make matters worse, for about a 10-month stretch, actually, both Matthew and one of their other special needs boys uh, were basically in and out of the ICU and hospital for weeks at a time um, at points. And there were a few times that uh, Sandy and Caleb had to make some, some hard decisions. They, they knew were likely not going to end well. In fact, um, Matthew was uh, knocking on death's door Uh, A couple of times, and uh, they didn't think he would make it through. But Um, now just a week or two of this would be enough to put you over the edge. Uh, At least it would for me. But Sandy and Caleb have been doing this for almost a whole year now. So you would understand why I call Sandy St. Sandra. Um, So that sounds miserable and impossible to me. Um, I don't know how I would make it through that, but something was, uh, different about these people. As Farrah began to get to know them better and saw them in the lowest of times, um, she would come home and describe, like, what was going on, and she was just awestruck with how differently these people acted. Like, you would think that they would act during this crazy year. Um she would come home and she would tell me that Sandy was the most most joyful person she had ever met. Like, truly joyful. And it wasn't like she was just putting a good face on it. She and Caleb were uh, definitely struggling through this, and it was taxing them, and it was very obvious. It was apparent. Um, But this joy within them was something deeper than a good attitude. In the midst of hardship, in the midst of uncertainty, they were filled with joy beyond their circumstances and joy that was beyond their trouble. Now I feel put out when I have to do the dishes, so I'm blown away by this. <laughs> I wanna be like these people, it's, it's insane. I have I've never met people like this before. Um, but where, where does somebody get that kind of joy? It's not like you're just born with a good attitude. I mean, some people are, but that's rarely, you know, goes deeper than the surface. How in the midst of trouble, in the midst of unrest, in the midst of, I don't know, let's say a world-changing, life-shaking pandemic with a cherry of civil unrest on top, where do you get everlasting joy that is beyond all of those things? Well, that brings us to Psalm four. I think this uh, scripture is not only going to answer that question, but is going to lead us to that. Not, it's not only going to answer that question, but it's also going to lead us to the abundant source of joy that you and I can have today. And as we go through today's text, um, we're going to see three things with one main theme and that is this that joy comes from the lord and that joy is beyond our troubles that joy is beyond our circumstances and that joy is ultimately found in the holy one of god now this this is a this is a song psalms are are often songs it's not a narrative so It's kind of all over the place, and it's going to feel like I'm whipping you back and forth all around. Um, So Joel told me to advise you to wear your seatbelt. So buckle up, buttercup. Let's look at the text. Verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. All right, let's pause right there. This is an act of faith on the part of the psalmist, or uh, who we believe to be King David, writing this. He's saying, God, I know you are good and gracious. You have shown me this yourself. I am calling to you. I trust you will do what is right. Faith is not blind. Faith is confidence in what you have good reason to believe. And God has given David and and us for that matter, uh, many good reasons and evidence to believe him. There is this sense that, that God will see me through my troubles, and so I'm reaching out to him because I can trust him that we get from this opening line. And we'll see David explain his situation here in verse 2. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long... Will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So, there's a a shift there. Um, Right there in verse 2. David turns from his prayer to God to address men. And... um, Some translations have it as men of rank. Um, So we can think the higher-ups, the big shots, who who he's addressing. Um, Those who are supposed to be honorable, those who are supposed to be honorable are not being honorable. They love slander and untruth. David is in the midst of lies. Good is called evil. Evil is called good. Sin is called righteousness. That kind of sounds like the world around us, to me at least. I don't know if that sounds like it to you guys, but I think we can kind of place ourselves in there a little bit. This is what the ungodly look like. David is addressing sinners, and these are his troubles. But he says, in verse 3, just kind of summarize, he says, but lest you forget, God has set aside his people. Judgment is coming. This is is a warning of judgment. He says, God has set aside the godly for himself, the righteous one. We know who's right with God. The righteous ones. But it could also be read as the righteous one. Um, And so I'll have you kind of tuck that in your back pocket. We'll, We'll come back to that a little later. But I also want to point out at the top of verse two, there's that um, that question of how long. Um, you, it invokes that feeling that, that it's, the trouble is present. It's happening now. It's not I'm having a bad day. It's I'm having a bad three years. It's the ambulance rides for Caleb and Sandy in the middle of the night. It's the signing the surgery in case of death forms. How is there joy in the midst of the ongoing trouble when you're in the midst of them? So, this psalm is leading us somewhere. But um, first, David gives us gives wisdom in verse four. Be angry, and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your bed, and be silent. Offer right sacrifices, and put your trust in the Lord. So David has given them a warning of judgment. But now he turns to give them wisdom. And that wisdom is this. Look at your own heart. Be angry, but do not sin by it. Even though that there are lies and deceit and slander and evil all around you, check your own heart first. Check your own heart before it checks you. Do what God asks of you, the sacrifices. But ultimately, don't worry. Put your trust in the Lord. We know He's going to work it out. Check your heart and trust in the Lord. So, joy doesn't come from our troubles, obviously. But we can have joy in the midst of them, joy that pulls us through our troubles. The joy that comes from having the trust in someone we know is going to make it all right. Make all things right. And we know this because he continues to prove it and show it to us. I'm not talking about just being happy through hard times, okay? I'm talking about, I'm, th- that's just, that could be unrealistic. But I'm talking about joy that is deep within you. Joy that empowers you not to despair in the midst of hardship but to hope. Joy that is beyond your troubles. You guys doing good? Yeah? So the joy from the Lord is beyond our troubles, but it is also beyond our circumstances. Beyond our good circumstances, even. Let's look at verse 6. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. So David here is still addressing men. He's saying that there are many men who are looking for good in all the wrong places. And we'll see in verse 7 that they're actually looking for their good in uh, abundance and wealth, in their possessions. But in the middle of verse 6 here, there's another switch. And David turns from men God once more. David pleads to God to show us good, the light of his face, the source of all goodness. Show these ungodly what real goodness is, he calls. It is a call for mercy and judgment at the same time. The light of God's face is powerful, but it is death to the sinful But it is what we who long for God, it is what we long for. It is to see his face, to see the light of his face. So that brings us to the punchline of the psalm, where I think we find its meaning. Verse 7. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. It is clear that God is the giver of joy. Now not only is this joy more powerful and abundant than what they than what the others have in their their wealth and possessions, but it's not even cut from the same cloth. This joy is from God, not from wealth, not from things going right. David has more joy in his heart than the others do. David has more joy in the in his heart in the midst of shame and distress than the others do when they are rich and are reaping a bountiful harvest. Joy is not in wealth. It is not in our freedoms. It is not in our country. It is not in things going right. It is not even in each other. It's from God given to us. It's beyond our circumstances. It's not that we can't have joy in all of those things. We can. Those are those are all good things that are gifts from God. But joy is not found in those things themselves. It is in the one who gave us to, it is in the one who gave the, us them. And through them have joy in him. I was at a graduation ceremony recently with all the everybody graduating in the month of June. Um it was for my sister-in-law, and the principal stood up and gave a speech about, um, he talked about COVID and how we all took uh, being with friends for granted. Um, he made some, some true and good, good points, but overall, I'll be honest, it was a boring speech with no substance. Um, unfortunately, I've seen that happen all too often, but uh, as he attempted to speak on joy, uh, he tried to make that cl- the claim that joy was not found in our cell phones, it wasn't found in our social media likes or our TikToks or our tweets, but that it was found in our human connection, the friendships, the hugs, the, um, the conversations. Um, now, those, those are all good things. They're, they are gifts from God. They give life color. There's no doubt. But what happens when uh, you don't have any of those things? What happens when all of those things are taken away and you're alone? If what that principle said was true, then joy is out of reach and unattainable. But for those who put their trust in God, we are rooted in something so much deeper than our circumstances. All of those circumstantial things will eventually fail you. Only God is rich enough to feed our joy-hungry souls. Only he can satisfy us. The joy from the Lord is beyond our circumstances. And that brings us to where I think this this psalm finds its center, where it's grounded, what makes it true. If you you look at verse 3, it says that, um, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Now, the word of phrase used for the godly um, is a little ambiguous as to whether it's referring to uh, one person in the singular or a group of people in the singular. Uh, Israel is often in the Bible referred to as, as one singular person. Um. so you it's kind of got you going so what is it is it uh, the godly one or the godly ones to which I think the answer is yes I think it's I think it's both and um, know that God has set apart or made holy the godly one I lost my place here a little bit sorry about that The Godly One or the Godly Ones. It's both, but I think we can also read it. The Godly One, Jesus. Jesus fulfills this psalm. God has set aside the Godly One so that the Godly Ones could be set aside for him. Jesus endured the, his honor being turned to shame. He was slandered and betrayed, mocked as he died for the world. And he did it all with joy. In the midst of distress, Jesus served the lowest. He cared for the poor, the needy, the fatherless, the prostitutes, the thieves, the unwanted, with overflowing joy. Joy that was not in his abundance. Jesus was basically poor and homeless. Not in things going well for him. They put him to death. Christ suffered death on a cross for us to save us from ourselves. Ourselves, us who loved vain words and wandered after lies. But his joy was from the Father, and this joy brought him through the ultimate death. It was beyond his circumstances. And our joy is found in the person of Christ, who saved us. We can have joy because of what he's done for us, and because he lives today and is coming back, hopefully soon. We can have hope in our future because of the joy in the Lord. Amen. Amen. So now we come to the end of the psalm. The resolve. And remember, this is a song. Like any song, there's two ingredients. Tension and resolve. And this is the resolve here. Verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Joy comes from the Lord and not from our circumstances or our troubles. We can rest easy know that, knowing that God is going to make it all right. We, come, we, we kind of come full circle to where David has started with that Assurance. There's assurance in God because he has shown us time and time again that he is trustworthy. There is hope in his Holy One, Christ. Faith is having confidence in something you have good reason to believe. And when we trust in Jesus, there is no need to worry. He's done it all for us. He's done the work for us. We can rest easy and lie down and sleep in peace. Because our joy is in Him. So to sum it up, joy comes from the Lord, and that joy is beyond our troubles. Joy is found in putting our trust in the Lord. He gives us that joy that pulls us through evil and gives us hope. It is joy that is beyond our circumstances, joy that does not come from our wealth, not in our possessions. Not in our status, not in the beautiful sunset, but in the one who gave us all of those things to enjoy. And through those things, have joy in him. And we find the source of that joy in the person of Jesus, the Holy One of God. Knowing we are saved by grace, Jesus gives us the ultimate joy and leads us by example, being joyful unto death. And so, like with Sandy and Caleb, it isn't in the money that they get from the state. It isn't in having a perfect life. It isn't in things going going well for them. Obviously, this year has been a wreck. They know that they have no control over their lives, and they just give it over to God. You know, I always, I always thought of people who lived lived for the Lord were the people who. Never said a cuss word, never watched the bad things on Netflix, always got up, read their five minutes of Bible and said their prayers. But Sandy and people, Sandy and Caleb are, are people who live, live for the Lord. Their whole life is devoted to taking care of the most vulnerable and fathering the fatherless. They And, and on top of that, they get up at 4 a.m. to read their Bibles and pray before a 14-hour day of hard work caring for special needs people. They rest assured in the goodness of God, and he empowers them with joy that gets them through, and they rest easy in that truth. They're role models, for sure. Um, After they all got vaccinated and COVID uh, kind of calmed down, I was able to actually go over... um, to their house and meet them in person and have, have dinner with them because I've been hearing about all this stuff with them. I'm like, oh, I got to meet these people. Also, Caleb is also a musician. He's got a great name. Um, and so we were like, oh, we got to get together and jam. And uh, I was really excited to meet these people and just see what their their house was like. Now, um, for those of you who don't know, I uh, am one of eight children. I grew up with seven siblings, 10 people in a three bedroom house at one point. So, I know a little bit about how big families go i I know what's up um as I went over to their to Sandy and Caleb's house, I was expecting there to be um a healthy dose of chaos um just with how much they have going on in the in an average day um with how much they have going on in the average day with all that care and running back and forth and calling doctors in the state, I was expecting the house to be a little stressful and a little chaotic. But but when I walked through their doors, um, there was this just sense of peace that filled their entryway. And their whole house was just filled with, with joy and light and happiness. And it, and it wasn't just Sandy and Caleb who were, you know, upbeat and and the joy was um, illuminating for, or radiating from. It was all of them, from the youngest to the oldest. Even the special needs boys, they they are given dignity and treated like a creature of God, and their life is is filled with joy and happiness. They they sit there and giggle all day. And are just they're treated like human beings. Sandy and Caleb lead by example as they follow as they look to the Lord to fill them with joy. They they lead their their whole household, and it's amazing to to walk in and experience it. And on top of it all, Sandy has the wherewithal to actually pour into my wife and disciple her and encourage her, uh, which is just. Insane to me that you have the margin in your life to do that when you're as busy as someone like her. So I could go on and gush about these people. Um, I've obviously fallen in love with them too. Um, but there is no doubt that their joy comes from Jesus. So what would this look like if we, Hollyview Church, were to embody that joy and live it out? Um live out the joy that we have in Christ. I actually see this happening in small ways uh, here every week. That seems to have this snowball effect that keeps people coming back. Every Monday afternoon, Jim Sherman treks all the way out here um, when he could be fishing, because I know he's a good fisherman. He treks all the way out here to pull the garbage cans up from the street. Um... Now he acts like a grump, but if you catch him in the right, if you catch him in the right light, you'll see that there's there's joy within him as he does so. It is a small thing, but it probably wouldn't get done if he didn't do it. And he's filled with joy as he does so. Every Sunday Curtis is here. I see him roll up just jazzed and amped to stand at those doors and open them over and over again to greet people and encourage them. And it's not, he doesn't do it just because he gets brownie points with everyone. Although I'm sure he does, because he's very charming. Curtis is filled with a love for the creatures of God. He's filled with a love of people. And he serves them with joy, more than just a good attitude. Natalie Frederick sacrifices her time that she could be sitting up, having a peaceful listen to the sermon. Um, And instead, she takes on the task of teaching rowdy elementary age kids who are apparently hyped on being awake. They don't drink coffee, as far as I'm aware. And Natalie teaches them about Jesus. And never once have I heard her complain, and I always see a smile on her face as she does so. She does it with joy. But what if we as the global church, the big C church, were to live out this joy? What would that look like? Well, I think we would look a lot more like Sandy and Caleb and less like the rich celebrity Christian pastors and prosperity preachers we see on TV and social media. I think that deep, satisfying joy would move us to love what is close to the heart of God, the orphans, the poor those who are spiritually destitute, prostitutes, thieves, the medically vulnerable kid whose parents don't want him. And it would move us away from ourselves and not towards our idols. Or insert money pit item that you fall idle to. Guitar pedals. The joy that comes from the Lord moves us away from ourselves And more towards Him. If we as a church worked outward this joy, we would look more like Sandy and Caleb because they look like Jesus as they go about their life. We must imitate Christ. But sometimes it can feel hard to, sometimes it can be hard to even feel like we can have any joy uh, when life hits. And it hits, and it hits hard sometimes. So I want to give us a tool that will help move us towards joy. In verse 4, if you see, there's a principle that we can kind of take from it. It says to be angry, but do not sin. Ponder in your own heart on your bed and be silent. We must sit and think. We need to remember what God has done for us. We humans... um, tend to be amnesiacs, and we forget quickly. We quickly become absorbed in ourselves. Look in your heart. Look at your life. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do, as the old hymn says. We have to sit and think. When life gets hard and rough, it feels as though our troubles are a tidal wave ready to come crashing down, and it feels like our circumstances could not get much worse. But we have to stop and think about what God has done for us and what he's given us. There's a hymn that I think sums up how we ought to move towards that joy. Um, my dad used to sing this to us. It's called Count Your Blessings. And it was written by Johnson Oatman. I thought I thought it was very uh, interesting that Scott was talking about counting your blessings this morning. He and I didn't talk. It's almost as if The Spirit was working. This hymn is called Count Your Blessings, and it goes like this. When upon life's billows, you are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God hath done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Joy comes from the Lord when we remember what he has done for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, We thank you for uh, this joy that we have access to. Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy as you did, David. Move us away from ourselves and towards what you love, towards you. Help us to find our everlasting joy, not in our things, but help us to find you through all of those things, to find you in every nook and cranny, Help us to remember what you've done for us. Help us to not forget and Lord, I just pray that you would um, that you would make it real to us and that we would w- look more like you as we strive um, to find joy that comes from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. You've been listening to the Hollyview Podcast. Please join us for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Thank you for listening to the Hollyview Podcast.